Hey, everybody. This is Patrick, the Chief Monkey and founder of Wall Street Oasis. Just wanted to first off say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Second, wanted to make sure for any of you in the market for financial modeling training, remind you that Wall Street Oasis does have some incredible financial modeling training courses, including Excel modeling, financial statement through, you know, linking up the three statements, DCF, valuation, M&A, LBO, um, even more niche courses like 13-week cash flow, venture capital course, real estate modeling, you name it. Go ahead and check them out at wallstreetoasis.com slash courses. Thanks for the support. Hello and welcome. I'm Patrick Curtis, your host and chief monkey, and this is the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Join me as I talk to some of the community's most successful and inspirational members to gain valuable insight into different career paths and life in general. Let's get to it. In this episode, member Kim 219 shares his story graduating during the financial crisis in 2008. Hear about what it was like to work at a prop trading shop that requires you to put up your own money, what he did when he burned out and quit, and finally, how he turned it all around. Enjoy. Junil315, thanks for joining the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Thanks for inviting me. Glad to be here. So it'd be great if you could give just everybody a quick summary of your background. Yeah, sure. So currently I work in uh, one of uh, Fortune 100 uh, major uh, U.S. company uh, as a corporate development team. Uh, work on in M&As and other inorganic investment opportunities um, and assess the, their strategic fit and also do valuation and due diligence work to make sure that we execute them. Uh, we identify good targets and execute them in, uh, in, 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 in good manner. So previously I worked in investment banking at Bulger Bracket uh, Bank and also, also other uh, few boutique investment banks. Uh, majorly, mainly covering industrial world, but also have some experience in energy sector as well. Very cool. And so you graduated at a really tough time during the financial crisis. Right. Can you talk to me a little bit about that and what it was like recruiting. Did you have like the typical summer analyst internships coming out of school? Uh, I didn't. I didn't. And I, uh, I regret to say that I wasn't 100% sure what I wanted to do at that time. And really, if I look back, I should have been more diligent in recruiting and you know make, making more networks. I mean, I'm happy where I got to right now, but I it certainly could have been easier if I had to, you know follow the right steps at that point. Um, you know, having said that, you know, you mentioned you know the experience graduating in the financial crisis era. It definitely was you know tough time. Um, you know, I specifically, specifically remember. You know, it's <laughs> it sounds like history lesson now, but I mean, I remember Lehman Brothers and Bear Stern were two major, you know, recruiters at my college. Mm -hmm. And I remember reading a newspaper. I actually interned right across Lehman Brothers in my junior year. Mm. Um, and I remember one day everyone's talking about, hey, you know, Lehman Brothers bankrupt. They literally just out of nowhere. Yeah. And, you know, and from that point on, I guess it, I guess people kind of predicted in, in some sense, cause they stopped coming to our school. Um, 
and you know obviously for graduating students that was tough because um, you know you lost major two investment banks you could have gone to and I, I remember even but the banking wasn't even on your radar then right yeah or, I mean right I mean I still wasn't sure if I wanted the banking at the time but uh, I you know I mean I, I still study business so I you know I know a lot of my um, you know, friends and, uh, and you know, friends back then, even like top students was having, were having tough time getting into, uh, major banks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what it's like. I'm sure it's pretty tough, you know, these days as well, but so looking at your background, it looks like, mm-hmm. you know, right after you graduated, did you do, were you living at home? What was the struggle like? like to get a right. job or like what did you because i know a lot of people just even from top school <laughs> yeah it was super almost impossible <laughs> yeah so, right i mean so i ended up joining uh you know um, the a prop trading shop right after okay. i graduated wasn't necessarily what i wanted to do but i just couldn't stay on an employee <laughs> right after my school years and you know, was this, I, was this yeah. one of these prop shops that is like you have to put up your own money, and it's like one of those, one of those yeah. like yes. places where they back you, but then a lot Ex- of people just flame out. Exactly. I mean, you know, I how guess much, I was. Yeah. How much do you have to put up? And tell me, like, what the setup was, because I'm I'm always curious about right. like what it's like in the inside of these prop. Oh yeah, shops. sure. I mean, they take advantage of a lot of kids. Right? Really? Yeah. Exactly. Really, not a good memory. I was there for about a little over a year. Um, you know, probably put up about a few few rands. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, if I think about it now, it's not much. But back then, you know, being a broke college grad, recent college graduate, it was it was a lot of money for me. Yeah. But I, I felt like I had to at least do something at the time. Yeah. And I, you know, uh, kind of thought of it as, you know, a lesson fees to learn something. Okay, that's fair. So you're like, maybe this trading thing might work be for me. I'm gonna just mm-hmm. go to this prop shop if it works out. Maybe there you could actually do pretty well if you trade if you Yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. So, what were you trading specific types of securities? Tell me right. that like did they give you any guidance or trading or they just kind of threw you to the wolves and give you like a Bloomberg terminal? How what was that like? <laughs> yeah, so yeah, so um you're right that you know, top traders, even in these uh, you know, small prop shops you know, they do make good money and, you know, they survive, but it's it just that I, you know, what I, my, my experience and what I learned from there was that, you know, a lot of, a lot of trading skill set. I feel like it's kind of in nature, mm. if you know what I mean, rather than yeah. something you can pick it up you're, and learn from, you know, you're learn born with it. Yeah. You're born yeah. Born. Yeah. You do need that, you know, instinct and, you know, um, natural skill set you can really study um, and you know and I, I I guess that I found out that really wasn't my natural skill set I possess so tell me about that where did you quickly lose the, the two thousand dollars <laughs> did you like tell me like you know you're anonymous so that's the good part is you can kind of tell me all the gory details and not right <laughs> but just, mean, yeah was it, yes. was it you don't have to tell me the firm or the company name but like right you, know, you walk in day one they're like give you know do you write a check tell me the whole experience of like going into a prop shop because i don't think we've had a guest like 
be honest about that or tell us about that. Yeah. So, you know, use, you know, you need to pay, you know, uh, write a check, you know, once you join, you know, that's pretty much a precondition to join the company. And the, the, from day one, they, you know, mentor you, so to say, well, really, if I think about it, you know, it's really not much you can learn because, you know, nothing is really structured. And, but, you know, I guess uh, you start from small money and I think you kind of do virtual trading uh, for about a month or so. And when your manager think you're ready to trade real money, then, you know, uh, you start uh, trading uh, with. So that, know, that mm-hmm. month, so you write the check of, let's say, was it $2,000, $5,000? Yeah, around the, around the ballpark. Okay, so a couple thousand dollars, you write a check. Mm-hmm. They give you a seat in their office and basically right. look there, like a couple screens, and you're, right. you're looking at what types of markets, like the equity market, bonds? So for me, uh, you know, I was focusing on uh, equity. On equities? Uh, yes, yeah, but I know that there are other prop shops who uh, – focus on like, things such you know, products such as options and you know was it small cap big like certain industries or just anywhere anywhere uh, public uh, you know any, anything publicly trading stocks and so they were like basically just see if you can trade virtually profitably right. do whatever right. you want basically do whatever you want um and i mean was, they, was there a mentor like that you watched for a while to try there and was. What they were doing there was um you know yeah i mean there was uh, there are a few actually that you know they, they kind of pair you with, and you know they um, you know expect you to learn from them. But I quick what I realized was that there really isn't much to learn. <laughs> so to say. tell me why, like were were the people they paired you with right. were they not that successful, or were these? Sorry, I'm just moving this light here. It's a little bright in yeah. this corner. Um, were they? Were they not that successful or was it that you couldn't replicate what they were doing because it was so just all over the place? Probably more latter. I mean, there were, you know, there were some uh, successful uh, traders. Yeah. I mean, if you can survive in an environment for over 12 months, you, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're going to be successful. Just, you, you know, most of the people drop out within 12 months. Got it. And, you know, then what I, you know, what I realized you know, uh, sitting next to these successful traders were, I mean, they just have different mentality that I can't replicate oftentimes. And, you know, if you... Like a gambler personality? Like, uh, they like... Kind of. Kind of. I mean... They're not nervous. Yeah, they're not nervous. You know, they're not afraid of losing money and gaining money. And... You know, it's easy to put that on in paper. Like you need to trade a certain way. Um, I mean, I, I, I try to mimic every strategies they laid out to us. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's the timing is such a big part of it. And, you know, there's certain instincts they just can't describe. Mm-hmm. And I, do you think uh, it's all a rude? Do you think it's all, do you think it's some of these people that have been there for several years, they truly had some, just the trader mentality and they had, do you feel like that's continued or have you heard of any of these people? Have you stayed in touch with any of them that were there? Uh, I did. Yeah. I, I have stayed in touch with a few friends I had made there. 
And did well, any you know, stay? Did any of them stay in her still? No, alive? no. I mean, you know, if I remember, all those who were successful and survived their environment pretty much was all same type of people. Like um, what? What were they like? Yeah, very aggressive, um, you know, not afraid to express their uh, emotions and, you know, I mean, not in a bad way. I, you know, I really have good, uh, you know, uh, big respect for them because that's uh, that's something I can't do. So were they like screaming at the screen, like? Oh yeah, oh, <laughs> like yeah. that kind yeah. of emotion expressed. Yeah. Like they, they... I mean, there were there was like this, you know, at the, at the corner of the room was a pile pile of keyboards. People just smashed. <laughs> <laughs> like just, you know, and I mean, yeah, it was. You know, every single second you hear f bombs drop here and there, and you know, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if there were like a, you know, graveyard for smashed monitors you know, somewhere <laughs> in, the back, in the back of the room. But, um, but yeah, it was you know, it was that, that that's what the kind of type of environment was, and I just figured this that's just not me. I mean, I tried it out because I couldn't find anything. You know, after graduation, not to blame the market. But. I totally get it. Like you figured, might as well do this. It's something, you know, yeah. rather than nothing. And yeah, I, I commend you for taking a, a swing. Question: Like, so you said you you still keep in touch with those people. They all left. Are any of them traders still? No. No. What are they? What no. are they doing? Like, out of the couple people you said. Yeah, with? I mean, the, the guy you know was close with. He's uh. He's he's pretty much you know uh, employee of major corporate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I think he does like a sales and marketing stuff. Okay. Um, some of them went to do finance, like I do right now. Okay. Um, like corp dev, yeah, so, corp dev type stuff. And- yeah, investment related. I think. Not okay. too sure, but. Cool. So you, um, that's kind of how you, you took your swing you basically figured quickly out like you lost you know you lost mo- the money whatever they said oh, it's not for you you what ha- what did that feel like when you walked out of that office for the f- for the first time was it devastating or did you like were you just relieved to get out of there <laughs> uh yeah but mix of both i would say mm-hmm. and uh you know what do you what about your parents what were they saying during all this oh they <laughs> Yeah, what I actually think about it, what I appreciate still is they kind of remain silent, mm. um, even though they saw me struggle, uh, struggle, I guess, you know. You think that was good because they kind of let you fall? Because it let I, you kind of be... Struggling. I think so. I think so. I, you know, I mean, my parents are very strict and, you know, very involved in my life back then. Mm-hmm. But, you know, to my surprise, you know, they remain silent even though when they found out that uh, I quit the job and still you know I'm searching for another opportunity got it um, now when you lose your money at a prop shop like this are you forced to put up more of your own cash if you want to continue how does that work uh, no, did you just quit did you just quit because you just didn't want to do it anymore yeah I mean I, I could have put up a little more money if I wanted to stay right but you know I just, I just didn't want to do it anymore Okay, fair. So then 
you kind of had to regroup, right? It was kind of a, a very tough start to a career. Is that mm-hmm. fair? Is that fair yeah. to say? So then you had to regroup. How did you get your footing? What was the first kind of job where you felt like, okay, I could see myself doing this, or at least this is a job? Yeah, so, you know, I realized, yeah, so I realized what I want to do and my skill set is really geared toward, um, you know, analytics. And so I wanted to do, I mean, I, I'm, I was still very interested in, field of finance and economics. Mm-hmm. So I figured, uh, you know, I wanted to be, uh, be uh, you know, analyst. And, you know, so started applying here and there and, you know, fortunately picked up by one of the, you know, boutique investment banks in New York. Okay. Um, really, you know, small shop, you know, very regional. Uh, and you were there for a couple of years. It sounds yeah, I was like. there for, yes, I was there. I was in their analyst program pretty much. Yep. And I really focused on, you know, transportation industry specifically. Okay. And it was a pretty small bank, you know, focused right. on transportation. And you basically, did you, were the, what were the hours like? Was it like super long, like a typical analyst program, like 80, 100 hour weeks, or was it a little more reasonable? And if boutiques can go either way, they can skew either way. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it swings, right? Um, yeah. I mean, I remember some of the days I I'd stay there until two or three a.m. Mm-hmm. Some of the days I could have just you know worked from home if I wanted because there's nothing going on. Do you remember how you actually got that initial boutique investment banking job? Because it was still a bad time for the economy. It was. Still, yeah. How did you get? How did you land that after you know being basically having that one? Um, Mm-hmm. horrific experience at the prop shop and then right. how did you actually leverage it were you networking what were you doing i i got really lucky i mean i applied everywhere you know anywhere online mm-hmm. and you know the you know this was a small shop and they they were in need of uh someone urgent because someone you know one of their the small shop but one you know one of the analysts in there left, so they really, really needed to uh, backfill. So you know, I have to say, it wasn't as high paying as you know, you know, major investment banks. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a job, though. Why. It was a job. It was a job, exactly. It was a job. In, t- so, in 2010, it was a job in banking. Exactly. So, oh, I don't care what they paid you. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I, even if it's fifty thousand base, forty thousand base, doesn't matter. It's like yeah, yeah, exactly. That was my mentality back then. I yeah. need, at least need to start somewhere. Yeah. And you know, so probably you know, I, I'm assuming there there were many candidates who were excited to you know, accept a paycheck, but I was. Mm-hmm. And so they, you know, I, you know, we, you know, I started working there. So how did you experience. even get the, inter- how did you even get the interview? It was through an online application? It was just an online application. They just called me and, you know, so put me, you know, asked me to, you know, uh, you know, they, they set up a, you know, onsite interview in New York. Uh, so I uh, met a few, few of the managers there mm-hmm. and, you know, to my surprise, you know, they, you know, they wanted to be, they, they wanted me to join. So that's interesting to me. Do you think it was because, is because almost like you didn't push back on the con, on the low comp, the low compensation. Actually, yeah, I mean, I guess, I mean, wow, this like, is wow. I know it's a, I know it's a long time ago, but there's some yeah. really interesting insight to me there about right. you like being willing to just 
really just eat shit for a couple of years <laughs> and like, you know, them being like, Hmm, cheap labor motivated right. is what we need. So tell me about how you communicated that. With yeah. In a nice so way. I guess, you know, I mean, it was lucky in my part to even get a chance of, you know, of the interview because, you know, that doesn't happen often if you just apply online. Right. Right. That is lucky. Yep. Yeah. But when I got the opportunity, I, you know, being a desperate, you know, unemployed person, I really, really tried to leverage that opportunity and, you know, and prepare an interview in such a way. Like, was I, that the only interview you had landed in banking or in anything or? That was only one. Wow. Um, yeah, I, 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 you know, I, I interviewed with you know, a few other corporate jobs. How long did you have before you knew you were interviewing with them to, to the actual interview, onsite interview? A week? Probably like a week, I would say. Not much, right? So yeah. were you just going crazy that week studying and like trying to get ready? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I never went through, I don't even know if like Wall Street, you know, your platform or, you know, something like, you know, Wall, you know. Wall we were around, but we weren't as big, 2010. Right. Yeah, we were around. I, I was in business school then, actually. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, we had just released our interview courses. They were all pretty new. I see. Yeah. I mean, if I if I knew, I probably would have <laughs> it would have helped you a lot. It would have helped you. Of course. <laughs> I mean, we I really didn't have good you know good technical background other than my school learning. Right. Um. So did they like th- did they ask you to walk them through a DCF or any of that stuff, or they didn't care? Not not really. I mean, but what I did was I really really tried to understand their business and the you know people I'm you know. I'm interviewing with a lot. I mean, this is and this is back when we didn't have LinkedIn. Okay. So and how did you do that? How did you I, just Google it? I, you know, you went through the website, searches everything I can possibly, you know, find yeah. and try to understand what they do. And also, you know, like I guess my weapon was to try, just try to show them how willing I am and how, you know, but that's an important point. I think the research, everyone should do that. That's right. kind of like just the, the cost of entry. But the fact that you really showed the willingness mm-hmm. and almost a little bit of the desperation, right? I think for an employer, rather than somebody coming in who's, you know, maybe they come for money or they don't really need the job. Mm-hmm. It's not as attractive to hire that person because it's like, where's the yeah. hunger, you know? Totally, totally. So, I mean, yep. So tell me a little bit about like, so you, you, I think your secret weapon was the fact that you're just willing and very eager mm. <laughs> and they probably sense that. Right. Um, did you feel like, um, so you were, were you surprised when you got the offer? I remember I was, yes. But excited. Well, very excited. I mean, awesome. it felt like it was the first real job after graduation. So. Mm-hmm. That's great, man must have been an amazing feeling, especially after yeah. what you had gone through. So you, um, you're there for a couple of years. Tell me about that next transition and what was the thought process um, of, of leaving that first firm and what, you know, and, yeah. and going to another one. Yeah. So uh, being a boutique bank, I realized there was a ceiling mm-hmm. and, you know, I wanted to take a next step in moving into, you know, I mean, I did, you know, I really enjoyed the work there. I learned a ton, you know, uh, and I think there's a really good perks in being in a small firm where you're responsible for a lot of things. Yeah. So, you know, I, I finally decided that, okay, this is my career path. 
I wanted to do, I want to do more finance and, you know, more transactions, but I realized that there are bigger banks and bigger financial institutions that I can join. So I, you know, tried searching and searching, but I, you know, realized, you know, it's not easy. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when you're, and when, after you graduate. Yeah. And this is 2012 where at this point we're using LinkedIn yet or other networking. No, you know, yeah, it was just, you know, friends of friends. Online, something. Yeah, online exactly. resume all, drops. All, all, online resume drops. Yeah. Anyone I found, you know, when I connected through work, I sent them an email whether I get, you know, they you know, reply or not. And so, you know, I realized I, you know, need some help. Mm-hmm. That I need to be in some platform where I can rebrand myself. Okay. And, you know, at that time, I moved into my second job, but, you know, my mindset still was after moving in there, okay, you know, I, situation got a little better. Like, you know, the, the next company I worked for mm-hmm. the, the, did have a better brand, but still, I wanted to be in, you know, um, more major banks who do major transactions. Right. And I realized I need help. And I wanted to go to uh, business school. Okay. So, so why why did you choose the school that you chose? Why did you so mm-hmm. you you realized quickly that you felt you needed a rebrand at the right. bank at this larger bank? You did that, but it wasn't like one of the bulge bracket, really well known mm-hmm. banks. So you're mm-hmm. thinking hmm, maybe business school is the path I need to go in order right. to in order to get get in there. So yeah. I, and I think that's that's perfectly logical. So you ended up going to a top business school. Right. Um, tell me about that whole process. Was it a one-year program, a two-year program? And then did you, were you, did you know right away, like, definitely I want to go invest in banking? I want to, you know, do that coming out? Or? <laughs> yeah, so I went to business school overseas, as probably can see from my resume. It was yep. still a top business school. Yep. Um, but, you know, the, I mean, number one, the reason I, chose to seek opportunities outside of the U.S. was because, you know, I, I wanted, always wanted to be international, mm-hmm. um, you know, so the, I found it attractive to, I mean, as much, you know, B-School is important for your career, but, you know, I also wanted to be in the place where I can have a very good experience and meet a lot of people and meet a lot of different people. Um, so that, that makes sense to me. Um, at the same time, you know, it's probably not always the best way to pick and choose B school, but cost-wise, it made more sense than versus top MBAs in in, in the U.S. Okay. And you know, and also timing-wise, you know, it was shorter than you know, um, you know, B schools in in the U.S. At the at the time, I just couldn't afford to have another. Two years. 200 grand loan and, you know, spend two years of time unemployed. Did you have a $200,000 of debt from, from your undergrad? I, uh, no, luckily, you know, I, I, yes, I did have some debt, but not as much. Okay. Um, like a hundred or 50 or something like that. Yeah. Around that part. Around that ballpark. Yeah. Okay. So you're, you're like, I can't go back to business school and make it a two year vacation. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people and take on a ton of debt. Right. Um, you had been paid not very much as an analyst for your, you know, two years and then, you know, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit more at a slightly larger bank, but still not, 
you know, you're not bringing in $150,000 a year, right? No, I'm not. Um, um, yep. And so you're, you go overseas. How do you get, how do you actually end up getting back to a bulge bracket in New York? Yeah. So, I mean, I, the intention when I joined, you know, uh, the B school was, you know, I really didn't care about location on, or where I want to work. I mean, got it as long as uh, as long as it's a good job and something that i would enjoy it didn't matter to me whether it's asia europe or america that's great it opens up a lot of doors yeah exactly <laughs> exactly and you know i was you know so yeah so, i mean i really i really try to stay you know open for any opportunities um you know also investment banking really wasn't that necessarily wasn't my top choice but i realized from b school you know, if I want to get really good, good experience and go through, you know, good training system and, and learn more, yeah, that's probably was my best option. What was, what was your top choice then going in? I wanted to be in more of a actual investment company, you know. So like hedge fund or private equity? Yeah, PEs, hedge funds, or even like, you know, um, you know, investment arms or corporates or, you know, other institutions. Okay. So, but then, you know, after maybe talking to some of your classmates, you realize mm -hmm. banking is probably the first step or the good. Yeah. Even though I did have banking background, you know, I realized that, you know, there is benefit of going through bank, you know, investment banking program in real bulge markets. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, I was pretty confident of my technical ability. So, yep. um, and I thought, okay, so that may be a good segue before I get, you know, uh, before I go to anywhere else. Right. So, you know, I, I, I include investment banking in my opportunity search. And, you know, I was applying, again, applying anywhere, you know, so New York, the world. Yeah, New York, London. Hong Kong, London. And so when you're interviewing with New York, you had to explain why you wanted New York. When you're interviewing in London, you had to explain why London. <laughs> right, right. It, uh, it, can make yeah. it, it can make it challenging, right? I mean, it, yes. But luckily, you know, what I, the New York recruitment, if you, you know, if you learn, if you understand like uh, timings of these recruiting uh, cycles, yeah, U.S. often is always a first. Okay. And London and Hong Kong, they kind of come, you know, later. Okay. So by the time I was getting into London or Hong Kong, recruiting cycle, I already had an offer from New York. Got it. So, you know, that kind of took care of everything. Everyone was jealous that I already have a job. <laughs> you already had the job and that was it. Yeah. And so you knew, exactly. hey, this is where I'm going for my summer. Right. I summer didn't want to risk it. Yeah, right. did, did you have a summer associate? I yeah. did. Okay. I so did. you did that. And was it something where you did summer associate and then started right away full time after? You had uh, uh, yes. Because my, you know, I mean, Obviously, I joined, uh, you know, the, the next cycle. Um, oh, so you had some time off? Uh, yes. So, so yes, I did a summer after my first year mm -hmm. in school, and I joined full-time the next year. But I joined a little earlier than my peers because my school, being in outside of U.S., ended a little earlier. Okay. Yeah. So, nice. I think my... You know, my, yeah, my colleagues joined probably like August or September while I joined like, uh, 
think it was March or February, maybe. So you had officially had the rebrand from a strong international business school. You now had officially the rebrand of a strong bulge bracket bank. And you kind of were going in expecting it to be similar to your analyst days. Did you expect it to be harder, easier? And then what was reality? Sorry, Pat. Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, sorry, Patrick, you're breaking a little bit. Um, I was just saying that, you know, you had the um, experience, the analyst experience, which, mm -hmm. you know, you weren't going in blind. Did you expect the, after the rebranding of the, the mm -hmm. business school and now the Bulge Bracket Bank, did you expect it to be harder, easier? Yeah. What did you think? And what was reality? I, I expected it to be harder, mm -hmm. which it was. Mm -hmm. But I also find, found myself enjoying it a lot. Okay. You know, at, at, it's, it's kind of a, I don't know, everyone I speak to in investment banking, it's kind of a love-hated relationship. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, it is very tough environment where you're expected to perform at very high level and spend 20 hours a day in the office, which was true. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you know, I mean, it was exciting in a way that you work with very smart people. You work with these, you know, highly important business people around the world and, you know, you get to see a lot. So um, what, so I mean, did you ever, you know, did it ever cross your, in so many ways. did it ever and cross it your very, mind? You know, that, and being in bulge bracket was very different from. So did it ever cross your mind to stay? Did you ever think, Hey, maybe I'll stay long-term. Not sure if you can hear me. Yeah, sorry, Patrick. I couldn't hear you. You're breaking uh, out. Yeah, I was just saying, did you ever consider staying? Did you ever consider? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, I did. I, you know, I, you know, I guess, you know, if you ask me why I left, it wasn't because, you know, the, I didn't like the, you know, scope of work I am doing. I just, uh, you know, being in, you know, sell side investment banking for a while, you know, including my experience before B school, um, you know, I hit the point where I, you know, I hit the point where I realized like I need to be a salesperson. Hmm. And again, the, that's why well, I figured that's not, that's not who I am. And also, Working in investment banking, meeting, working with these, you know, your corporate and private equity clients, it was truly, I was truly curious about being on the other side of the table. Um, wanted to see the transaction and finance world from different lens. Like, because being an investment banker, you are, uh, you are a supporting team to for your clients to uh, execute the transaction, but they don't necessarily share everything with you. Right. And you know, you are not close and you know, you, you know, you are their best friends in that uh, short span of time, but you don't get to see how the business are actually uh, are run and you don't get to understand what, uh, what is truly going on, you know, behind those numbers. Okay. So tell me a little bit about your transition from, associated yeah. at a bulge bracket investment banking to mm -hmm. trying to find your next role in corporate development. Was that 
something you knew targeted corp dev or did you start kind of applying to other roles as well? Yeah. I mean, you know, corp dev was my, you know, the uh, target from the beginning when, when I you know, started actively searching for exit opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if I found a private degree job, maybe, you know, that's probably was also very attractive. Mm-hmm. Uh, but number one, in, in reality, it's for associate, it's hard to get a private degree job. Oh yeah. Almost impossible. Uh, yeah. Almost impossible. <laughs> I've um, seen, I've actually interviewed a few on this podcast, right. two, two out of like, but they're super rare. Yeah. That's why I, I have them on. Cause I'm like, how did you do it? <laughs> exactly. I, I, I saw a few, but you know, and I mean, I don't think there was any special, you know, recipe into it. Yeah. Um, so but anyway, yeah. So corporate development seemed like the most reasonable and most uh, attractive kind of opportunity out there. So was it a long recruiting process for you? Was it easy? Were recruiters reaching out to you? How did you go about the search? Were you using LinkedIn? At this point, were you using so, LinkedIn or no? <laughs> oh, yeah. I was, <laughs> I was fully using LinkedIn at this point. Okay, good. Um, you know, so, I mean, I mean, the uh not only using linkedin but i i mean i had few uh few managers who left um you know my team and joined corporate development of you know a few major corporates so i started reaching out to them i also asked for referrals through my uh, managing directors Hmm. um i mean i i I could only ask because they were leaving my bank Got it. Yeah. So yeah. you weren't asking for referrals from people who were staying there because they probably would have been really pissed. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, okay. you know, yeah, this guy's already exiting out from my bank and I, you know, I spend hours and hours, you know, for these, this guy. So yeah. I felt that I at least have that, you know, I've deserved that opportunity. To, yeah. You know. and so, you know, yeah, which, which he, you know, um, really thankfully helped me out. Um, you know, he, he, you know, uh, connect me to one of the major, major corporates, uh, corporate development client of his didn't turn out, you know, turn it, you know, I, 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 you know, I didn't end up going there because they weren't necessarily looking at some, looking for someone at that moment. Yep. Um, but you know, that, I guess that's the way I went about it, you know, really reaching out through my peers who left or about to leave and also through LinkedIn, which to my surprise, I actually lend my interview as well. Again, and you know, not ended up going up, going in there, but I, yeah, that that was a that was a big one for me. That's great. So, how did you end up at your actual role? What was the what was the link that actually turned out to be fruitful? Oh yeah, so for this one, you know, um, you know, my ex, you know, uh, director um, joined my current company like mm-hmm. about a year before. So you know, so after he left, about after twelve months. This is when it's when I was. Uh, this is when I started actively searching for it. You know, I, I reached out to him and asked if he has any opportunities, you know, available in his team. And you know, thankfully at that time, yes, he was actually looking. You know, he was one of a uh, one of his team members left, and you know, he was in search of finding someone. So, so was that like the. Do you feel like it was a done deal once you reached up since you already had that working relationship no, with him? No, no it, was still compet- it was still competitive. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I would say it was still competitive. I had to still meet the head of a group, you know, interview with probably good five or, or six other, you know, uh, 
court dev, M&A related, you know, people. Talk to me about those interviews. Were they very, were they similar to banking in the sense that the corp dev M&A, like are, are they expecting to know a lot about M&A in the process? Are they testing you on that or are they testing you more on the specific industry that your corporate is in? It was, it was less focused on industry itself, but more about, you know, your M&A and transaction experiences. Okay. Um, like your deals, your deals. Specifically. My deals and, you know, my, you know, deliverables to my clients, you know, mm-hmm. back in my investing days and, you know, how I went about it. You know, there, there wasn't like modeling tests or anything like that at this stage of my career. But, you know, they expected to me to, you know, be a technical for sure. Um, so. Okay. So that was yeah. that. So you, yeah, ended that was getting, a, you ended up uh, landing it and you've been there ever since. And how, how are you enjoying it? The corp dev, how, how is the pace compared to banking? Oh, it, it's great. Uh, you know, I really enjoy my job, honestly. Uh, is, did you have to take a big pay cut or was it similar pay? There was pay cut. Um, yeah. Base wise, corp dev probably matches your, you know, investment banking or PE jobs, I would like say. Like what, 125, 150? Uh, I got more than that. Okay. I mean, but I also understand it depends on the industry you're going in and it also depends on like, you know, there isn't like a set pay, yeah. pay level like investment banking. Okay. And then specifically the bonus is obviously much smaller. But bonus is not smaller, you know, yeah. as you go up, you know, you, I mean, some of them, you know, incentivize you with, you know, their stock options and stuff, which could be big. Yeah. Um, but, you know, definitely you're not talking about 150% you know, bonus you get in peas or you're more like 20, 30%, something like that. Is that, uh, yeah, for cash part. Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. Very cool. So anything else you want to share before we call it, it's been um, interesting to hear, especially I I really enjoyed the part about the prop trading (laughs) because I don't think we've heard about that, even though it's probably a painful thing to relive. So thank you for doing that. Tell me, tell me a little bit, anything else you want to share kind of with your younger self, if you could go back and yeah, Give your younger self advice back in two thousand eight nine. What would you say? Uh, man, I, <laughs> I I would say I would say you always need to stay curious and humble. Um, meaning that you know you really really have to. I mean, people. A lot of people join this industry for money, mm-hmm. but. You know, if you don't have time to spend your money, it really doesn't mean much. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, you know, the down the road, it, I guess it does. But, um, you know, people that I have met in this industry who have been more successful are the ones who are always curious and engaged in the market. And they're truly, truly interested in learning more and digging deep into the business, not just the numbers and modeling itself, but, you know, they're always, they, 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 you know, they, they, you know, they always, you know, stay ahead of the market. Uh, they always learn more about transactions that's, you know, that are happening right now. So, you know, really, I would advise to really ask yourself whether you're really enjoying this and curious to learn more. And that probably tells you whether you want to stay in this industry or not, because it, it does really get to you, the, you know, the level of stress and, you know, everything. Um, but at the same time, I wish 
you know, people can stay humble. You know, oftentimes, you know, all these glamorous life that they describe about investment banking and financial industry and, you know, the position you're in and, you know, feels like it empowers you. But, you know, it's just, and you, you probably deserve that because you probably work your ass off, you know, to get, get, to get to where you are. But always, always, I think you need to understand, you know, you are very fortunate. Yeah. You, you are selected and, you know, you, you are able to work here. So appreciate the luck that's gone into it. So don't think it's all you. Yeah, it could, it could very well be someone next to you on your interview. <laughs> right. Oftentimes. Right. Cool. So, well, I think we'll, we'll leave it at that. It's a good reminder to stay humble and stay curious. So thank you for awesome. your time. And thanks to you, my listeners at Wall Street Oasis. If you have any suggestions whatsoever, please don't hesitate to send them my way, patrick at wallstreetoasis.com. Until next time.